Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Love you. Thank you. Wow. Good morning. It is such a joy to be in our home church. This is the place to be, Super Bowl Sunday or not. This is where it happens. I am so blessed to be a part of a community that's serious about what we should be serious about. Amen. And I'm so blessed to have my wife of 30, I guess, two years coming up in March here. And we have the joy of all four of our children being blessed and dedicated in this house, and there's nothing like having deep roots. Amen? Well, today we're going to be talking about some things that I'm quite excited about. There is a message in this series that really has a lot to do with what I believe is one of the most core things God has called us to do. It's really our purpose. And there's a slide they'll bring up in a second that kind of summarizes the concept that Christ really modeled for us, and that has to do with serving. It has to do with giving. It has to do with being filled up with the Holy Spirit. Can you think of three things that aren't more important to us as Christians than those? Serving, giving, being filled up. Amen? Well, it's time to preach. Okay. Throw the jacket off here and let's get at it. So as we get into this, I I don't know if the, the projectors are resetting or what may be happening, but I want to welcome those watching by stream. And it's amazing. It used to take a satellite truck and a whole lot of money and all kinds of things in orbit to make this possible. And now I just go, there it is, really handy. So as we get into serving, giving in the spirit, we have an opportunity to talk about the things that I think are really what makes a Christian different. Amen? Because what's the difference between Christians and non-Christians? Is it just what we believe? Because guess what? Apparently the demons believe what we believe. That's pretty interesting. There better be something more than just what we believe in. And there's a demarcation that's quite different than anything else. So uh, are we able to show what's on the screens or no? Do we know? Can't tell? Okay. All right. I can turn my screen around. I can show you guys. It's pretty cool. So we have an opportunity as we deal with this particular topic to get into the things that really will mark a difference. And two of those things are props up here on the stage. Anybody notice a little difference? So over here on your left, we have the couch. Over here on your right, you have what's supposed to be like a kitchen where we're doing dishes. So this is the place where often husband man comes in and goes to this direction. Often wife goes over to this direction. Is that about right? Is that right? It may be right, but is it right? We're going to talk about that a little bit. So when we think about how this works, we think about, again, serving. Well, when it also comes to what's this image represent? Anybody know as it comes up on the screen here? I think you might be familiar with it. It's me. Oh, no. This is the calling of a Christian, right? No, it's not. No, this is also not the calling of a Christian. But often this is what occurs when we come home. Now, I think Especially, and again, it's not just all about husbands and wives, it's about singles, it's about families, it's about many things. 
But I think this particular uh, image would represent a little bit more what's desired for dad to be working on. Serving and involvement with the kids. Amen? Amen. This is something we've got to realize as husbands that's critical. But you know, as we talk about this particular topic, there's an image here that I'm amazed that 2,000 years after this occurred is still being put in bronze all over the world. What is this image? Anybody know? This is a participatory thing. Washing the feet of Jesus. No, it's Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And in this one, this is captured in bronze where you've got the king of the world, the creator of the universe who enters human form and came and did this and said, I'm going to wash the feet. And in the day, we didn't have really nice Nikes wrapped around really nice, colorful socks to keep your feet clean and smelling tidy. They had dirty, stinky feet with mud. And you know what? It was the job of the servant to wash the feet as you entered the home. And he modeled this incredible view himself. And as he's washing these feet, he may have been going, I remember this toenail. I remember creating it. Never had that thought before right now, but that's amazing. So when you think about the model, oh, do we have a model? I had the honor in in one of our uh, workings, Pastor Ken was on our board of directors years ago, and we worked in a company where we had the Kathy family was involved. Bubba Kathy was one of our investors. And I remember flying to Atlanta and going to the Chick-fil-A headquarters where the basement is uh, where all the food is, and it's all free cafeteria. There's no cash registers. I always felt like I was shoplifting every time I had lunch there because there was no pl- nobody to pay. But they were a huge blessing. And I remember bringing my bags all the way up to the executive offices where I was having a meeting with him. And when it was time to leave, Bubba Kathy took my luggage and carried it all the way down to the bottom of the building, all the way out into the parking lot, and put it into my trunk. He would not let me touch it. That's a servant-based leadership at the highest order. And you know what? It's an incredible thing when you see it. And this particular verse in Matthew 20 reminds us that whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. In other versions, must be last. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Wow. You just, I mean, we've heard that before, but if you get your mind around it, it's, ex- it's extremely hard to really understand that the one who suspends the earth over nothing came and said, I'm going to serve you. Amen? This is a whole different way to look at the world. And so as we look at the context of our world we live in, how would you describe the people in our society today? How would you describe them? Selfish, in a hurry, really not considering others more important than themselves. But I think there's also another descriptor, and that would be broken and lonely, as well as searching for hope and meaning. Because you know what's amazing? We were built to have meaning. And you know what else? We were actually built to want pleasure. But you know what pleasure is found in? It's, ple- it's found in his presence. I don't know if you saw it up here. Mark Thornton this morning was worshiping as he has for decades. And you notice streams of tears flowing down his face. And I'm looking at that. I'm just like, man, there is a joy in, our, in the God's presence like nothing else. He is the greatest thing. John Piper talks a little about, um, what's the term, where we love pleasure more than anything else? Um, hedonism. 
he calls us Christian hedonism, Christian hedonists, which is a whole interesting theology where we really want pleasure. And you know what? I think he may be right because we want pleasure, but God designed that pleasure to be in him. And there's nothing else that comes close to it. So I came across a song that, uh, I forget how I came across it, but as I listened to it, it started to bring tears to my eyes as I listened to the meaning. And I want to play it for you right now. You may have heard about it. It's a song called Broken. And I want to have uh, Brandon play the, the lyrics. We're just going to listen to the first bit of it. But listen to this. Turn it up pretty loud. And listen to the lyrics of what's being spoken in this song. So as you look at those lyrics, what's being described is someone taking the face of another saying, I like that you're broken, broken like me, also lonely, lonely like me. And you know what? It turns out this song hit number one on the top 40 and stayed there for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then it became the number one longest chart um, sitter in history on, I guess, the alternative chart. It's never been broken. And then the mental health community have taken this up as one of their key songs. And as we talk about serving in the context of our Christian calling, I just wanted to surface something in our market, in our culture, that really identifies with people and what they really feel. Years ago, we had the joy of working with Gary Smalley, and I one time did a bunch of exit interviews after a marriage conference. And as they were leaving, I would ask people, hey, what'd you think of the conference? And almost every single couple said the same thing. They said, it was so nice to hear that everybody else has the same problems we do. And I was really struck by the fact that every couple kept saying, it was so nice to see that everybody else is messed up also. Because you know what? We really are broken. Sin caused the brokenness. It wasn't supposed to be that way, but there's a plan to deal with it. But you know what? We have to be reminding ourselves that the whole world feels the lyric of this song. That's why they resonate with it. And you know what? We have to be the ones that get to be the difference makers, the light bearers, the ones that bring joy, because we're not going to bring the the answer to their loneliness, but we'll bring them the one who is. And when we come in community, we bring the solution and that's part of what we're talking about this morning. In 2 Corinthians 12, talks about, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Because the planet is full of weak, broken people. But that's okay, because you know what our brokenness is also, also someone once said, the window to let the light in. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. What a cool thing that God knew us so well that he would set it up so we actually are better off weak 
Because you know what? When we're not weak, what we are? Prideful. And if there's anything you don't want, you don't want God resisting you because the Proverbs say that God resists the proud. You don't want God resisting you. Trust me, you do not want that. But we get his grace when we are humble. It's amazing how that works. And when you think about how do we live a supernatural life in the natural? That, I think, is the key question. How do we do all of these incredible things God calls us to do when we are natural beings? How do you live the supernatural life as a natural being? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. And there's a great verse in Ephesians 5.18. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled up with the spirit. It's interesting. Wine is also called spirits, right? And too much of it, you find out just how much control the spirits will have of you. And the thing is, is that's an interesting uh, balancing point that's being made here in Scripture because it's saying if you take too much of this, it's going to control you and make you do things you wouldn't normally do. What's it contrasting that with? The ultimate spirit. If you get full of Christ's spirit, you also do things you wouldn't necessarily naturally do, right? Which connects to John 15 and abiding, which connects to Galatians 5 and the fruit of the spirit, right? Living in the nine. So it's amazing how those things continue to be together. Now, over here, we have this kind of kitchen set up, and I want to show you something that's on the table. Anybody know what these are? The women will know. The men should know, right? What are these? They're kitchen gloves. What were they designed to do? They're designed to wash dishes and clean, right? Well, let's go ahead and let them do their work while I continue to preach, okay? Well, is that not how it works? But they were designed to do that. They're, um, they don't let the water in. It's, they're perfect design. They've even got this little mesh stuff on it makes it so it won't slip. Well, what's missing? Why isn't it cleaning them? There's something missing, isn't there? They were designed for work, but they're also designed to be animated by something inside of them. They don't work very well by themselves because they weren't designed to. They were only designed to be partnered with the hands that were there to care for the work and the chores that they were made for. But no matter how well designed they were, they have to pair up with something that brings the power to articulate and animate exactly what these were made to do. Amen? You guys getting the illustration? It's amazing how we were designed, but we can't do it on our, on our own. And again, that fruit of the Spirit, I'm just convinced the key to the Christian life is so much like the manna in the wilderness. You have to continue to go get it all of the time. So when it comes to that fruit of the Spirit and the list there, let me ask you, what do these two things have in common? <clears throat> Both of them are the ultimate source of power for things that matter. But what's sad is how many of you have had more than a dozen of these in your life? Maybe more than 10 dozen. And so when it comes to charging up your phone, how many of you have this in multiple places? Multiple bedrooms, multiple parts of the house, in the car, at work, at family's house, back up in your suitcase. This is everywhere. What happens if you don't charge your phone? What's your day like the next day? Suboptimal. <clears throat> Frustrating is one way to describe it. And so what's interesting is we have lost, I don't know, dozens of these because they're so core to our everyday workflow. Have we lost dozens of these? Do we have these placed in every nook and cranny of our house and at work and in the car? And if you think about it, this power source is so critical to our lives because it's so obvious 
what this does here. And as we talked about kind of last time, this is also a fairly detrimental device. We're powering the wrong thing. It's not that we shouldn't power this, <clears throat> but by contrast, how much are we powering this? Because what's in here is the only thing that will really transform. Amen? Also, the companion things, devotional books, things that bring the Word of God into a whole nother level. This is an opportunity for us to really think about that. So when it comes to serving and giving, there's two ways to serve and give. There's word and there's deed, right? You can speak it or you can actually physically work it out in a deed. And then if you look at the verse that goes with this, Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when we do word and deed, who's it supposed to glorify? God, if it doesn't, we're doing it for selfish reasons. And you know what? Selflessness is Christ-likeness. That's where we get it. And so word and deed, this is where this becomes very important. And so when it comes to serving and giving, when it comes to word, you can speak life, you can encourage, you can appreciate. Indeed, you can do acts of kindness. You can also give service or resources or money or financial support to people. And you know what? These are meaningful moments in people's lives when we do these things. What does life look like when everyone in your community does not do any of these things? It pretty much looks like modern American society, but <clears throat> it's amazing how easy it is to stand out when you do these things. And so years ago, this church was part of helping us start a ministry, uh, working with the Christian churches of the Treasure Valley. We ran TV commercials, and I realized we had these. I'm going to play two quick commercials. Here's an example of living out something in a home uh, environment. This happens to have a husband and wife connected to it. But take a look at this commercial and listen to what the interaction is here. Hey. Glad you could make it. What's that supposed to mean? It means you're late again, and I need help. Yeah, you know, you... We have an infraction on the male side. Insensitivity, chronic lateness, pedonubiasis at bedtime, sleeping on fold-out couch. But I, I... But you thought it. Resume play. Well? Well, uh... I guess I lost track of time and I'm really sorry. You know, why don't I finish this and you go relax? You know what? That would be really great. Thank you. Healthy families know they can choose how to respond. Think before you react. It works. Amen. Pretty simple. 30 seconds. He comes home thinking about himself. He's heading for this posture, right? But then the honey is like, thanks for making. Nice you could even trouble to come home. And then he quickly realized, I better dash over to this side. What did that do to her confidence, to her countenance, to her appreciation? like a flower. Now, he needed a referee on Super Bowl Sunday to help him. <laughs> that worked out really well, the timing. So when it comes to serving, it's all about going, wait a minute, let me think of others as more important than myself. And how do I serve? Well, guess what? If you happen to be connected in a community to people who are default servers, they're really easy to take advantage of. We have to be very careful because some people have a natural serving tendency and some people have a natural receiving tendency, which would be most everybody else. 
we've got to be very cautious of that. Another example is when things aren't going well. Sometimes we have strife. Sometimes we have pain. We have no idea how much pain people are going through. Sometimes when that waitress is rude or or not being very nice, check below the surface. I'll bet you you'll find something difficult or painful or stressful or hard is going on. And you know what? Christ followers need to be the one that can see through the layers. Amen? So here's a quick example of something that happens in a different dynamic. Take a look at this. Don't worry, Dad. You'll do great. Yeah, maybe. Hey, sweetie. I'm so glad you're back. We had tons of fun. Good. Richard? Hi, Jen. Hey, I just want to say that um, in spite of everything between us, really everything I've done, you're still a really good mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks. That's nice. I'll see you next week, kiddo. Even if you're not together anymore, healthy families can still honor each other. Try it. It works. Mm. All those years later, it still really hits the core of the heart, doesn't it? Healthy families can still honor one another even when they're not together. As Christian churches years ago, we were trying to figure out how do we tell a message of grace to those who haven't had everything work out perfectly. It just doesn't sometimes. And you know what? As Christians, we need to be the ones looking for the ways to invest life and grace, and speaking to it. And you could see even in the countenance of the ex-wife what happened when he spoke life to her. And you know what else? One of the things we got to be careful, if you've been through any of these processes in family and there's divorce, etc., we've got to speak life, especially in front of the children. It's one of the most detrimental things we can do is to not speak life. And so when it comes to a simple thing, how hard was that to pick up flowers and to speak a word? You know what? We need to do that. And uh, it's simple. And in fact, here's some flowers. And you know, I was thinking that, I don't know if you guys realize, it takes a boatload of work to put on a production like this when it comes to a church service. It looks like it just happens. It doesn't. And there are people like Sydney who do all kinds of great things. So thank you. Because there's a huge list of details all week long to make all this work together so we can go and enjoy it. So thank you, Sydney. And I'm in trouble for both hugging her as well as coming off the stage out of my light, but she'll forget my hope. COVID. All right. So moving on. Next verse, let's take a look at Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. How's that for a command? This is the ultimate command from God himself, what we're supposed to do, the Great Commission baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I'm with you in this process, always, to the very end of the age. This is one of the biggest commands, or the command, that we're supposed to live out in our serving, in our giving, and in our spirit. Because you know what? This doesn't come natural. Initiative evangelism. Outreach. And I just want to tell you a personal story that I'm so glad that 36, 37 years ago, someone knocked on my door and visited my house 
when I was a young college student in Phoenix, Arizona. And there's a verse that says, Luke 9, 6, and they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. We call them cities now. They used to be called villages. But you know what? It's the place where we occupy our homes and where we live and where we connect and we, we commune. And we get to be the ones who bring that life into those communities. And so I was not a believer at the time. I'm down in Phoenix going to college. And I go into a church and I visit and they and, uh, took my visitor's card. And two days later on Tuesday night outreach, back in the days when you actually go, used to knock on people's doors and show up, surprise. And then I wasn't even home. And so this pastor left a really nice note for me, inviting me to a Bible study, which I showed up for because I was interested in following up. And he introduced himself and he ended up becoming one of my dearest friends in the world. And I came across this picture from Phoenix, Arizona in 1986. So that's Pastor Lane Franks in the checkered shirt there. And this is us when we're in our early 20s. And just two weeks ago, this dear friend of mine who became my best friend, we became roommates, we were both single, he discipled and poured his life into me, one of the finest evangelists and the most generous people in the world. I used to think, what would Lane do in this situation? And it was the greatest model for me and most of who I am today in my spiritual walk was because the early mold of my coming to Christ was poured into by this man with incredible care and interest. And uh, his brother, who happens to be former United States Congressman Trent Franks, is a dear friend of Pastor Ken's and mine. But uh, I just got to spend the weekend with him celebrating his birthday. This was two weeks ago in Phoenix. And so uh, we look just a little bit different. <laughs> but let me just tell you, when it comes to the single door knock, the single domino that someone's small amount of behavior will cause in your life, what does that mean for eternity? Because you know what? Because of his faithfulness, we ended up having a family that's flourished with four girls in a church, in this place, in ministry, and all kinds of exciting things we've been able to do because someone was faithful to show up when it's hard instead of staying home. Amen? It's huge. And we never know what one little gesture or one little comment or an extra tip for the waitress or whatever it may be means to them. Never underestimate the power of encouragement. It means to put courage into. Amen? And you know, I just realized in this picture, if you can put this back up again, uh, when I graduated from high school from Bora, Lions, 83, come on, anybody, any Lions here? Hopefully there's nobody from Crapital in here. Sorry. sorry, sorry, I was kidding, I was kidding. That's an old joke. Not really, no, just kidding, no. So, I got that camera. If you can see, I'm holding a Nikon F3 with an MD4 motor drive. This was the finest camera made in the world, and my dad gave it to me for my graduation present. It was a phenomenal thing. Well, later on, we moved up here. We had our, all these children, and we're on a ministry salary, and I needed to be able to, to get some money in the house, and so I made a difficult decision to go ahead and sell this prized possession because it was worth quite a bit, and I really could use some money to help out with the budget. So I put it in the newspaper, not Craigslist, it was in the newspaper. There was no Facebook marketplace, but somebody answered the ad and they called me and then they realized, hey, is this Michael? Is this Larry? It was Larry Knapp, a businessman here in our community who uh, is a major uh, influence. And he goes, oh, Michael, this is your camera? That's an incredible camera. I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, you're selling? Yep. He goes, I'd like to buy it from you. I'll go ahead and pay the full price, but I'd also like you to keep it. <laughs> and I still have that camera today. Because 
a person. Thank you, Lord, for intersecting this precious person who loved what we were doing in the ministry. And Larry Knapp was one of the greatest encouragers to me in the ministry. And I still have that camera today because of generosity. Amen. We never know what these things can mean. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, for God gave us the spirit, gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So what did he give us? He gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. That spirit is what animates us. A spirit is what goes inside the glove that was designed for purpose. And you know, even when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were still designed to work. Work has purpose. Work is joyful. And you know what? We don't get to do it on our own fleshly lack of energy. We do it with his infilling and power. Some of this is 101, but it's so powerful because guess what? What's it like when you don't charge your phone? Yeah. Yeah. What's it like when you don't charge your life? Right. It's really binary. Okay? So, Acts 4, 31, let's be reminded of this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Notice they were gathered, intentionality, being together, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? Meekness? Boldness. Do you know what kind of boldness it takes to knock on a stranger's door? You know what kind of boldness it takes to be able to take interest in someone else's life? Because it may take you down a road you don't have time for. That's right. That's right. You know what? It's inconvenient to serve. Yeah. You know what else is inconvenient? Crucifixion. That's not in the notes. I just thought of that. That's the most incredible thing if you think about it. There's a road he knew he was going down, and he did it with joy. It said he was anointed with the oil of gladness more than anyone else. That's how he endured the cross. The joy of gladness and the anointing oil is the only way we do things that are hard. You know what we do when we're not filled up? If I back up six feet and sit down, that's what we do. This is our destiny without power. It's this. And you know what? It's really easy because we're loving to have stories told to us. And that's what television has turned into, a bingeable storytelling device. The enemy is taking advantage of the way we're wired. Instead of going out and telling the great story, we're absorbing the stories. Amen? It's time to reverse the polarity and invest the story, the greatest story that should ever have been told. You know, amen? So, hallelujah. <clears throat> There's a person who had a lot of money, a lot of power, and a lot of influence. Just kidding. Do you see the slide? Mother Teresa. Did you get the joke? No power, no influence, no money. But you know what? She's a world icon today. Why? Because she loved on people. She gave herself to people. And if you read through this, she also was talking about, hey, if you think people are, are going to take advantage of you when you give to them, do it anyway. If you think people are not going to appreciate it, do it anyway. Because you're not doing it for them in the ultimate. You're doing it for Christ's eyes. Being able to live the way Mother Teresa lived, she has become a world icon because she did one thing. She was the hands and feet of Christ, giving, loving, caring. It's amazing how someone can be that famous because they took what little they had, which was their simple ability to put God's heart into their gloves. Amen? That's incredible to me. And when it comes to the initiative that it requires to go knock on someone's door, the energy and the time, 
we've got to come back to the place where God wants us to take initiative. Because if there's one thing that Christian life requires, it's intentionality. Because boy, you know what? You got to be intentional to plan out your time when it comes to these books. You know what's really easy? Snooze bar. Very easy. You know what's even easier? Just one more episode. You know what that does? It makes us really tired. And you know who's really good at doing nothing? All of us when we're tired. So we got to be very careful of that. I want to share a, a clip. I can't show it to you on video. There's some things with the technology that makes this difficult to be able to show a clip. But I want to tell you a very quick story about one of our favorite movies. Um, this is a movie called Cinderella. And before you judge me, I have a wife and four daughters. All right? <laughs> Cokie's beat me by quite a bit. So this story is the modern telling of Cinderella. And the reason I bring it up is because there's something so Christ-like that happened in this telling of the story. Kenneth Branagh, who's an amazing director, created this film. And there's a moment in the film where Cinderella, if you know the story, she's lost her mother, who gave her the advice when she was young to be courageous and kind, which is a biblical foundation of Christianity. And so she was so courageous and so kind, but her father in this picture is taking off for a long multiple month journey and her um, kind of evil st stepsisters back there and uh, uh, have just asked him to bring them back parasols and silk and all these other expensive things. And he said, sweetheart, what would you like me to bring you? And she said, I'd like you to bring me a branch, the very first branch that touches the shoulder as you leave in the carriage and carry it with you on your journey so that you will think of, be thinking of me the entire time. And when you come back, you can bring me that back that branch and we'll know we are back together and united again. That was this little girl's desire. And so she waited for months to hear where her father may be. And then there's a moment when the door knocks and she's so excited to go to the door and hopefully find that it's her father. And it's one of the, um, the, the servants of the home who brings her some very sad news. He takes his hat off and he holds it down and he says, Miss, I am so sorry to tell you, your father fell ill and he's gone. He's passed away. But he asked me to give you this because he spoke nothing but love for you and asked me to give you this branch which he carried for you his entire journey. And so he hands her this branch and she pulls it and holds it to her chest. And then what she says next is the reason this is precious. She's got tears streaming down her face. And then she says, this must have been so difficult for you. In the midst of the worst news, in the most difficult and trying circumstances, the death of a vision, and the moment where hope was going to be lost, this precious young girl thinks about what it was like for him to carry this message of death to her. This must have been so difficult for you. It's an incredible moment in a story that ends beautifully because she continued to serve with a great attitude no matter what for the joy that was set before Christ. And this was such a beautiful picture of that. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. When we do this, when we bring our interests, not just to ourselves, but to others, what does that reflect? Isn't the whole beauty of Christianity 
where Jesus had a plan before the foundation of the world to go and redeem it. Talk about other-centric. And so when we do this, when we think about others, even in the depths of our own despair, it's amazing how that brings out such life. And boy, is there a country that needs life and care when we have ideological debate and relational conflict like we've never had before. This is the time to live it out. No matter who we voted for in the elections, we need to bring honor and care. Remember the, you know, Pastor Ken would know this better than anyone, you know, the kind gentleman from, you know, name the state. We don't do that anymore. We can't even celebrate something we agree with on the other sides of the aisle. We've got to figure out how to bring back life and care and considering others. Oh, it's, uh, Timothy 1, uh, 6-7, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Because you know what? The gift of God is there. But you know what? Have you ever made chocolate milk? Yeah. Pour it in? It's not chocolate milk yet. It takes a little of this action, right? You got to stir this thing up. And you know what? We stir it up through the laying on of hands for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. Well, guess what? You can't do any of the things God has called us to do without getting yourself stirred up. It doesn't come out. It goes here. Stirring yourself up is what it requires to go over here. Amen? So, I need a volunteer to come up and help me with something. Goose, thank you for <laughs> volunteering. He's a precious man of God here. Thanks for coming up. So, I've got two balloons here. I think this one has a hole in it. Let's get a different one here. There we go. Is yours good? Oh, yours has a big hole in it. Well, let's try that again. It's kind of like, uh, this will be helpful for the illustration later, trust me. All right. So what are we both holding? Okay. When you become a Christian, when you invite Christ to become the center of your life and you ask him to be your savior, do you get the Holy Spirit? Not a trick question. Yes. You get born again, you become a Christian. Now we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, etc. But when it, when it comes to getting the Holy Spirit, both of us, if this is the Holy Spirit, do we both have it? Okay. Why don't you go ahead and blow that up if you wouldn't mind. Blow it up all the way. See if you can make it pop. Just kidding, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm not sure how big it goes, but that looks, maybe one more. Okay, that's good. So, Goose has his filled up. Mine is not filled up. Which one of us are holding a balloon? We both are holding a balloon. What's the difference with his? It's been filled. It's been filled. And what did it take to fill it? It took some energy. It took some intentionality. It took some breath. And you know what? What's in there now will actually be able to power something. Go ahead and let some air out. Very nice. Okay. So go ahead and let it all out. This is a picture of what it's like in the Christian life. Remember the manna? How often do you have to go get it? How often do you have to go fill up yourself? You have to stir it up on a constant basis. Amen? Thank you, Goose. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All right. You can keep that. How often? Every day. Sometimes multiple times. And you know what? When I was a brand new Christian, I forget who, the, who gave this quote. It was, you know, uh, Martin Luther or somebody. If I've got a really busy day, I have to pray two hours. If I've got a super busy day, I have to pray three hours. I, just, I used to think that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. I really did. As a brand new, not ready to understand anything spiritual depth, I just thought, that's ridiculous. Oh, man, do I understand it now. Wow. Because you know what? The foundation of our roots in his spirit is the only thing that allows us to do anything supernatural. And you know what? 
we have to realize this doesn't get full on its own. In fact, in our family, we talk about the black dog and the white dog. This man had two dogs who would always used to dogfight, and a different one would always win. Finally, he retired, and somebody asked, how did you always know who won? He goes, whichever dog I fed won. And you know what? Our flesh lives off of everything. It lives off the air. It lives off the media. Our spirit is a really finite diet. It only gets filled on very specific things. It takes such intentionality. But you know what I love about the Christian life? When I first became a Christian and I started reading this thing called the Bible, found out there was a version called the NIV that you could actually understand reading it. And then I got the message and I really felt like I was sinning, but I loved it. But you know what? Remember, Welton Boone brought it to our church. So when you read and you're hungry, it's easy to eat. When you are hungry, it's easy to have a meal. But you know what I found? The deeper you get spiritually, the easier it is to eat. And the more you can't wait for it, the more you can't wait for the time to be able to worship. So we have to remember in this illustration here in this slide, this is a constant process. We've got to be able to put the energies into filling ourselves up all the time. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit. Look at this quote. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit becomes a? When you get filled, the Holy Spirit becomes the? Isn't that good? Nobody knows who said that, but I think it's pretty cool. Unknown was a smart dude. So let's talk about the flesh for a second. The flesh. It's something we all have. Any of you who've had kids, any of you teach your kids how to say mine? Where'd they get that? I don't know where they got that, but it is built into us. There's something about the way we are naturally wired. And so need another volunteer if we could. Maybe Koki, come help for a second. So I'm going to show you something here. So this represents the vessel of our lives, okay? And the ping pong balls in here represent our flesh, all right? Not good. So when we are born, we grow up, and we have to be taught all the ways to do things right. We have to be taught many positive things because without any of those things, we go the, the wrong way. It's like a car that's got automatic... Um, uh, it's out of alignment. We're always fighting it, right? So we're born this way, and we need to figure out how to get the flesh out. How easy of a process is that in our lives? So I'm going to ask Koki, go ahead and take those balls out of there. Just, just go ahead. <laughs> but wait, you have to use tweezers. That's cheating. You see, I'm making an illustration about the flesh, and he's demonstrating it perfectly. <laughs> so, obviously, you can't get them out with tweezers. You know what else is not obvious? You can't get the flesh out on your own. It's not something you can manage. Our carnality is not something we can pull out of ourselves. Ask yourself on January 1 what you commit to by January whatever, how quickly you're not able to do it. Turning over a new leaf just means you're doing a 360. It's the same brown, bad stuff. There's only one thing that can work when it comes to our flesh, and it is not trying. It is displacing. How do you get rid of darkness? You try to scoop it? You try to grab it? You turn on a light. So go ahead and pour this water, if you would, over the ping pong balls, and let's see what happens. When the Holy Spirit and the freshness of his presence and the water and the purity comes into our lives, notice it doesn't do much if you only put in a little bit. But then all of a sudden, go ahead and pour 
all the way here. Good. And then here's a little trick. There you go. Nice. So here's what's interesting. Did he have to touch the flesh or did he have to displace it with something more powerful? Thank you, Cookie. All right, give me a hand. Thank you, buddy. And you know what? It's amazing when you're full up, when you try to put flesh in, it's displaced as well. Because you know what else? It's amazing how they don't like one another, but one is far more powerful than the other. And the best part about the Christian life is that we have this nuclear reactor inside of us called God's Holy Spirit. But we are leaky vessels. We're like balloons with holes in them, right? And you know what? God wanted it that way. Because if you got the filling and you didn't need it, thanks, God, got it. It's manna. Go back every day. Because you know what the Father really wants? He is not impressed with our works, can I tell you? He invented the universe. Have you ever seen a grandchild go and help grandpa in the garage? He's not helping. It's the relationship. It's the bonding. It's the community. If we think we're doing anything impressive, it's like us looking at an ant pile and them going, aren't we cool? Well, not really. You know what would be really impressive, though? I'll bet humans would stop if ants, all of a sudden, at one time during the day, everybody stopped and all the little uh, ant things went up into the air and just stopped and worshipped. I'll bet that would get attention. But you know what? That's called abiding, and there's no presence of energy in it. It's where the fruit comes in John 15. Amen? So let's remember, it does not require us to manage our flesh. We're supposed to displace it with something far more powerful. Amen? Amen. All right. So as we come to a close here, let me remind us of Romans 8. This is a powerful verse, Romans 8, uh, 5 through 17. I'll just read the beginning here. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. And you know what? It's just like eating bad food. You, you desire it more and more. It's really hard to get the palate to change unless you take a, a, a dietary change. The same thing with our spirits. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. And there's so many more good things here in Romans 8 about the power of the Spirit versus the flesh. But I just want to remind us as well, when it comes to doing God's will, and the uh, worship team can come up if you'd like here, Isaiah 40, 31, we're familiar with this verse, but listen to it again. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what? If you're not filled up, the idea of going and serving is difficult. If you're filled up, the idea of, hey, honey, happy to help. Let me jump in here. Yeah. It's amazing the difference in our calibration of the way we think. But what does that take? It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. It takes getting into the word. It takes worshiping. It takes the ability for us to say, I'm going to fill up beneath the water that's going to overflow my soul. And here's what else it takes. It takes prayer, not just ourselves, but together. Praying together. Serving together. Let your, if you're married, let your wife's fingerprints not be on the passenger door handle. We've been married almost 32 years, and she still makes me do that. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> and in fact, with our four girls, if a boy gets to the, the interview in the gauntlet of being able to take a girl on a date, then when they go on their date, did he open her door? 
Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> because you know what? Alex, you did a good job there, buddy. <laughs> so when it comes to our spiritual disciplines, there are many wonderful things that will never be done if you don't do them. I'm so glad Pastor Lane Franks knocked on my door. I'm so glad he followed up. I'm so glad he stayed with me. I'm so glad he taught me the Bible. I'm so glad he explained to me the gift of grace that was available that I didn't know was in there. And I'm so glad he poured his life into me for three years. And you know what? There are so many people next to us that are going through such difficult things. There's a great quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson that said, if we knew the secret pains of even our enemies, it would be enough to disarm us all. We have no idea what our friend, family member, neighbor, whoever it may be going through, especially people we don't know well at all. And you know what? How a person treats a waiter, how a person treats the person that dry cleans their clothes, that's where you really see what's going on in them, you know? Because you know what I love about the life of Jesus? He attracted people that were the party crowd, that were the sinners. Somehow he could be filled with truth and effervescence to draw a crowd to him where the religious people were not liking it and Jesus was only hard on one group, and that was the religious. That needs to be us. Earn your success based on service to others, not at the expense of others. And I want to end with one quick final story. There is a play that's also been turned to a movie that's one of the most successful plays of all time around the world. It's called Les Miserables. And it's the story of a man who was destitute poor, and he stole some bread to feed his family, and he was put in prison for years and years and years because of this. And he got hardened in prison and he became a very spiteful, angry man. And one day on the streets there, I believe in Paris, a priest sees him and says, man, come along, come stay in my home. We'll take care of you. We'll feed you. We'll give you something warm to eat and a warm bed to sleep in. And this man takes him up on it, eats kind of like an animal, goes to bed and decides to wake up in the middle of the night and steal all of the expensive silver in this priest's home. Fills this giant bag full of all the silver and flees in the middle of the night. The next scene is with the French police carrying this man in, hang in chains along with this giant bag of silver. And they threw him on the floor in the priest's home. And the priest sees the man and the man is there feeling horrid about what he'd done. But the police said, he said, you gave this to him. And the priest said, I did give this to him. And in fact, you forgot the big candlesticks. You forgot the greatest of all that I told you you could have. And he goes and he hands these candlesticks to this man who's overwhelmed with anger for what's happened to his family. And those two very expensive candlesticks that were given to this man transformed his life. And the faces of the people in the priest's home couldn't believe what was happening. When you do extravagant things, people will not understand. When you give and you're generous and you take time and you help, people wonder, hey, we don't have time for that. They will think you're crazy. Well, you know what? Today, still in 2021, we talk about a woman who took an alabaster jar and broke it and gave it and anointed the head of King Jesus. The Pharisees thought she was crazy. She was crazy, filled with love, just like God. And you know what? This man in this story, I'd encourage you to see the film because what it does is this transforms his life from then on. And he goes and becomes a giver 
and a server and an employer and a lover of people. And he was never the same because that man gave something so expensive and so deep and he hands it to him and he says, I'm entrusting you to God that he will change you forever. And you know what? That's exactly what Calvary did is it changed us forever. And we're supposed to be like Christ in doing those things for others. Our world is not filled with this anymore and we've got to figure out how to change it. In Luke 6, it says, give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. Amen? Amen. We've got a rare moment to be able to do something extraordinary. And this precious little woman in India decided to give her hands to serve and her heart to love. And that's the picture of what God calls us to do. So if you would play a song here to worship. I just want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. I just want to pray and ask you to contemplate right now what God is saying to your heart, what's saying to each of us about how we have the opportunity to be like Christ. And to be like Christ, we need to be with the Father, getting ourselves filled. We need to be givers and servers, whether it's financial or words of encouragement or flowers or tips or bringing something to someone in need. I would just ask you right now, if you're feeling like God's calling you to step up to another level, to move from the couch to the dishes, to serve in your family at another level, to be more quick to praise, more quick to say thank you, more quick to interrupt your schedule and to think about others around you. I just ask you right now, just lift your hand to the Lord and just say, Lord, that's me. I want another level of serving. I want another level of getting after it for you. And I will stir myself up in the spirit so I can actually do the fruits that you called me to be in the calling on my life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray you bless those, not just at this moment of emotional engagement with your spirit, but in a constant addiction to being filled with you, God, that we displace the things that keep us back from serving. And if you're here this morning, and you are not sure you might even go to heaven, you're not sure you have a relationship with Christ that is certain, just ask you right now to pray a prayer with me. If that's you, I just ask you again, just just wave your hand at the Lord. Just say, yeah, Lord, that's me. I want to know you personally. And just ask us to pray together here. Father in heaven, I accept you right now as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and make me a new creature. And let me never be the same again. Those simple words, a simple sentence to God, are like the words of a wedding where someone says in all sincerity, I do. That moment of asking Christ to bring you into his presence someday when it's time, this is a moment, February 7th, 2021, when someone says, are you going to heaven? Yeah, well, how do you know? Because I said I do to Jesus on this date, on this time, and I'm trusting his good work, not mine. And I just want to thank you right now for your hearts as you walk with him. And Father, I would just ask right now as we walk together on this beautiful Sunday, Lord, I ask for your anointing to us to be able to walk in a way that shows your light and your joy so people would see our lives and wonder what's different about us, God. Let us be like that precious girl who considers others. That must have been so hard for you. 
man, let me give you something of value that will transform your life, God. Let us open our palms, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.